Welcome to Equosity, the podcast about all things equine, with a special emphasis on the horse-human bond. My name is Alexandra Kurland. I'm the author of The Click That Teaches, a step-by-step guide in pictures, and many other books and DVDs about clicker training. And I'm joined by Dominique Day, one of the co-founders of Cavalia. This is part two of an afternoon's conversation in which Dominique used posts from my online clinics to select topics for us to discuss. Last week, our conversation about the connection that emerges with our horses led, oddly enough, to a discussion about colic. And then, to lighten things up, we talked about treat vests and pouches. We were about to shift gears to a new topic when I ended the podcast. So we'll pick up here with Dominique introducing the next topic she wants to talk about. So let's go to my next topic, Yes, which is not equipment, but it's a tool that we've talked about a lot. It's video, but I never thought about using it the way this person was saying in the online clinic. She was using it fast forward to look at her loops. And I thought that's so smart because she said, I kept doing the same thing over and over and over again, but I didn't realize it until I looked at my video fast forward. So it, it, I thought that was, she was going, she's skimming over. Yes. Yes. yes, Yeah. uh, To help her see the patterns in her training. And I've never used it like that. And I thought that's very smart. That's how I use video. And it's, it's how I pick out clips or moments, for, for example, if I'm uh, going through setting up a DVD or trying to find images for something like the step-by-step book, and I'm looking at a lesson where I know the, you know, the horse has done a pattern multiple times, and, or somebody has sent me a video, and they want to, they've got a question about what the horse is doing. And I'll, I'll run through it with the, the, whatever you call it, the little toggle switch at the bottom that, yeah. you can, you know, that you can skim through with. And when you go through fast, what jumps out at you are the anomalies. Mm-hmm. So you'll see either that moment where something's going wrong or that moment where something's going really right. But you'll see, you'll see the change much more clearly. And then Mm -hmm. you can stop and say, oh, so what what went on there? Why did the horse, sometimes I'll be looking for, uh, I'll be watching a video from a clinic and I know that the horse, some point during the lesson, the horse had a little, I don't wanna overplay it, but a little explosive moment that things were going smoothly, smoothly, smoothly. And then there was a, disruption in the training. Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. the horse threw his head up and took a step or two back. And and I want to look at that. I want to see yeah. what was going on. So I'll just skim through and that'll stand out. It'll just yeah, yeah, yeah. jump out at you. And then you can go in and say, all right, what was going on? And now you do moment? slow motion. Now you do slow yeah. motion. And the same thing will be true when you're going through and you're watching the horse and nothing, you know, just everything's looking the same. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, what did I just see there? 
and you'll slow it down. It's like, oh, look at the change in that horse's top line. That yeah. horse is looking really gorgeous right now. Why? Mm -hmm. Let me go back from this point and mm -hmm. see what was going on that made that big difference. Yeah. So that's why when, when I'm doing video analysis, so for example, in the online clinics, when we have the coaching days where people have video that they've taken of their horses, that I ask them to send the video to me. Because when the video is up on YouTube, yeah, you can watch it. But if you want to go back and forth, at least on my internet connection, you just can't. But if mm, they send no. it to me, I can skim back and forth. I can speed it up. I can slow it down. And I, and I can really see what's going on. Mm -hmm. So I use that, that ability that you have when you have a, I'm on a Mac, so a QuickTime uh, file in your and you can just use that little skimmer across the bottom. And it's a really useful training tool. Yeah, yeah. So for me, I thought that I could use it to see if I stay too long on a uh -huh. loop, on, a, on one exercise. You know, it was, it was kind of that flash that I had when I was reading her. Because, you know, I have used that in the bottom there to go to a moment or yeah. um, because... Like you said, you know, if something happened during the session, I want to get there fast. But I've never thought about using it to look at patterns. And when they go quickly, I guess it's easier to see the patterns, mm. you know, because you yeah. don't have to spend all that time waiting for it. So I thought yet again, another. So what did you discover? Uh, I, I haven't used it yet, oh. but I just saw it and I thought, oh, that's an interesting, I have to, you know, I have to use it for that. Yes. I haven't had kind of the, uh, okay, the opportunity, mm, nothing presented itself, but now it's in my mind, you know, that I can yeah. use it to look at what my loops are. Yes. Yeah. A quick one, very yes. quick. Okay. Waiting for a horse to swallow. That came up in one of the discussions, huh. and I thought that I was really that. funny because you don't remember that? No. I mean, those are quick, fun things, but you know, Woody, the session, he just eats and swallows and everything. The rhythm is really good. Bonanza, he will chew forever. And I had seen, you know, in the dog training world that you should wait for the dog to swallow before you present your cue again. And so I was doing that with Bonanza quite a lot, waiting for him to swallow before I would present the cue again. And in the discussion, you said you, you I don't remember you know, what the context was, but you said, you don't have to wait for a horse to swallow. You can present your cue because they will accumulate food on their molar in the back of their yeah. mouth. And so it won't, in a way, it disrupts more the training when I wait for him to yes. swallow. Yeah. I mean, the difference between a horse and a dog in terms of how they ingest food is night and day it's huge you think about you you hand a, a labrador retriever is the sort of the classic vacuum you give them a little bite of something and it's down the throat in, before you can blink as it were and whereas horses take whatever they're eating 
onto their back molars and they grind and chew and they and they can take another bite and they can grind and grind and they sort of process it back until they're ready to swallow whatever quantity is in their mouth and those you know, if you've ever given a horse a dose syringe sort of like when you're you need to worm a horse or something and and you you want their mouth to be empty and you think oh you know they 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 don't have anything in their mouth and then you try and give them the medication and there's all this, this <laughs> and they spit and it's like where was all that in your mouth what kind of a chipmunk are you so they you know so they don't need and they don't seem to need the processing time of well i can't think and chew at the same time they mm. seem to be able to do that so you know maybe it's maybe it's better to wait i don't know but early on i got into well the... sometimes it can be it can be disrupting because when it when you have a good rhythm and yeah. you know you're waiting all all the time it it can it can disrupt the training i think a little bit so you know there might be some reasons to and some reasons not to there are other indicators that a horse can give of i'm ready i'm not ready besides i've stopped chewing mm that's the perfect segue into my next topic. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a training topic. Oh, okay. Yeah, exactly about that. You know, um, do you listen to your horse or do you just steamroll mm -hmm. your way to wherever you want to go? So this was a discussion about chains and how chain how you can use chains to listen to your horse. Because when you create a chain, you're going to have at some point when you want to add, let's say you have one behavior and you want a three behavior chain, you're going to add the second behavior. And so you're going to, instead of clicking and treating, when you add your second behavior, you're going to, once the first behavior is done, cue instead of treat, cue the next behavior. And so when you're building chains, you're queuing at clickable moments. Yes. And so you were saying that when you do that, you have to have this back and forth communication. You have to listen to your horse in order to find those clickable moments. And so you were saying that chains could be a wonderful exploration of back and forth communication and helping people develop more that skill of listening to their horse. That was very, very wise of me to say that. <laughs> you don't remember that. I don't, re I don't remember the specific, um, right. I don't remember the specific conversation, but it's, it's absolutely the case that you know, the, the, the clinic that people are in, most of the people are in, is the Off to a Great Start clinic. It's the Foundation Skills Clinic. And as you've been discovering and pointing out, is that even though it may be the, the foundation layer, there's nothing basic or simple about it. And that what, what I have always found really useful is to look at complex concepts using simple behaviors, because it's mm -hmm. easier to understand, and it's easier then to go and test them, uh, these concepts out with your horse, if you are using basic behaviors that are probably in repertoire. And if they're not in repertoire, they're fairly easy to put into repertoire. 
So we have the six foundation lessons that we focus on when you're first introducing a horse to clicker training. You have backing, head lowering, the grown-ups are talking, please don't interrupt, happy faces, uh, going to a mat, and... Um, grown-ups? Grown-ups. Did I not... It doesn't matter. Oh, There's or six did you them. say it? I may I have said remember. it, but in, I've okay. said it in different orders, so uh, I don't know which one I left out, but it doesn't matter. Uh, we'll figure it out. Oh, targeting. Oh, <laughs> How could I leave course. that? Targeting? How can we forget? Um, so we have those, those six behaviors, and they lend themselves really well to experimenting with chains because mm. they're, they're fairly they're simple behaviors in that you can ask a horse to lower his head and the focus is on lowering his head versus asking a horse to pick up a trot in the correct bend with head carriage in certain, you know, that mm -hmm. becomes really complex. Mm -mm. Okay. So we were in the coaching sessions, we were looking at chains and how you, and just exploring chains and looking at building base behaviors and then looking at how you can build chains with forward chaining, back chaining, and then there's reversibility and the loopy training. So all of that becomes relevant. But in the initial introduction to, train, to chains, what I want a novice handler to develop is the habit of offering the cue for the next behavior at a clickable moment. Mm -hmm. So what that means is, suppose you are standing next to your horse and you have cued grown-ups are talking. So you are standing in good balance, you've folded your hands together in front of you, uh, which is a cue that has evolved into signal quality that, that the horse understands and the horse stands next to you and has his head held evenly between his shoulders. He's looking straight ahead. And you are clicking and reinforcing the horse when he meets the criterion. So you're building grown-ups. And maybe you're expanding the duration out a little bit, but you've been working just on grown-ups. You haven't been linking it to anything else. So you fold into grown-ups. Your horse responds. He goes into stillness. You meet, he meets the criterion. Maybe you're building out. Can you stay there for four or five seconds? And then you click and you give him a treat and you fold back into grown-ups. Well, now what you're going to do is instead of clicking at that moment where you would otherwise have clicked, you're going to offer a cue for another known behavior. So maybe you'll offer the target to touch. And if you get in the habit of offering cues at a clickable moment, then that cue is reinforcing quality behavior because it is the, the nature of cues that they not only tell the individual what to do next, but they reinforce the preceding behavior. So if you are standing there in grown-ups and just as your horse just as you're getting ready to bring your target up, your horse pins his ears flat. Mm. And he, so he pins his ears flat and you present the target. Well, what have you just reinforced? Pinning the ears flat. Because that got you 
to present the target, which, and targeting is a behavior that the horse knows leads to reinforcement. So he wants you to present the target. So the next time you go into grown-ups, he's going to try pinning his ears flat because, hey, it worked before, it might work again. <clears throat> but if instead you get your paying attention and you're looking for those clickable moments, oh, my horse just popped his ears forward. Let me bring the target up. Now you've reinforced ears going forward, and you're also developing the potential. This is what you were getting at. You're developing the potential for that, that, more, that nuanced, more subtle conversation. So suppose Bonanza is standing next to you, and he's um, got his ears at half-mast, and he's chewing, and he's, think he's, he's, he's thinking, he's listening to something off in the shrubbery or whatever it is, and he's not quite ready to continue the conversation with you. So he satisfied his curiosity about whatever was rustling in the shrubbery, and so he pops his ears forward. He's now just, I'm ready. He's just cued you to say, You can move on. You can move on. Present that target, human. I'm ready to touch it. Mm -hmm. and, and that's how the conversation emerges it, so it becomes less of this sort of one-way thing one-way conversation and becomes a much more nuanced and interesting conversation that uh, develops over time and then you get sort of the micro rhythms coming in to this conversation that you are noticing I think one of the comments I remember Michaela Hempen made about Blondie when in that she was talking about. When she first started with Blondie, she, Michaela read Blondie sort of in, uh, she was very, she was very lumpy in the way that she read Blondie. And, mm -hmm. and that Blondie taught her to read more subtle cues. Mm -hmm. now, the communication became much more refined. Mm -hmm. um, and as that communication becomes more refined, then you also get to that stage where you are asking at the right moment. Mm. You know, you're not asking when Bonanza just, you know, just hang on there, Mom. I need to enjoy this, this, this treat you just gave me just a little bit longer. I'm not ready to go mm. on to the next thing mm -hmm. um, or whatever the, the situation is. So you, you develop that conversation. Yeah, and in, in the conversation, um, you, you know, you were saying how important it is for people to develop that skill. Yeah. And you, you offered a, a kind of a, a training. I think, I think it would actually be a good training project for people to do this week if they want. So it's to start a session without having a specific goal oh. in mind. And then you see what your horse has to offer. You just observe. And whenever you see something that you find interesting, you click and treat. And then you see if it comes again. And if it does, then you're off running. You can start nudging in a direction. In the beginning, you, you have no idea. That, that comes with a, I think that needs to be, uh, comes with a preamble, I would say. Okay. So, that evolves, that develops out of the 
original, looking at how the original training game was played. With a goal in mind, you mean? Yes. So in the original training game, not the table games, but in the original table game, as Karen Pryor described it, the, uh, you have, say you have a group of people together. You're at a clinic or a party, whatever it is. You have, and you send one person out of the room, and that person's going to be the learner. So they're in the role of the animal. And the other people decide on what it is that that person is going to do. Mm -hmm. So you've picked a goal behavior. There's a predetermined behavior. Predetermined behavior. And there's certain rules. You know, it has to be something that a human can do. You don't want to pick something that's socially embarrassing. embarrassing. Yeah, it has to be safe. So no hanging from the chandelier, that kind of thing. <laughs> Should you have a chandelier that you could hang from? Um, <laughs> and, and, and so generally, you know, people will pick. It might be, say there's a telephone, an old-fashioned telephone. <laughs> if people still know what to do with those things, sitting mm. in the room. Well, mm. most people of a certain age would know that if they were in the vicinity of the telephone, they would probably reach down and pick it up and put it to their ear. You know, it's funny because I saw something, I don't know where, with an old telephone and a youngster, and it was a dial kind of yeah. telephone. They had no idea what to do no with idea. it. <laughs> yeah. So if, so if, we, if we had a telephone sitting in the room and we said, oh, the behavior's going to be put your finger in and dial, mm. well, over a certain age, that would be easy behavior to get. Under yeah. a certain age, you might very find hard, it very hard, very right? challenging, very challenging. Yeah. So sometimes you never know. You pick something that you think is going to be really simple, and it turns out to be really hard for the learner. And and so you you've picked this predetermined behavior. You've picked a handler, so the person is going to be the one who is clicking, who's choosing mm -hmm. the what to click. Mm -hmm. And you've also decided on what the reinforcer is going to be. So we're trying to make this a simulation of actual training. So the person, the learner, when they hear the, the click, they're to come over to their handler and get whatever the reinforcer is that we've decided. And often it's just a pet on the shoulder. So the learner is called back in and they come in and the handler takes them through a series of approximations that hopefully gets them to their goal. And what you see when you're doing this in clinics is a huge range of responses that mm -hmm. you can have some people who just, they just glide right through, they, they get it errorlessly, it seems really easy, and you think, oh, well, that, you know, what, what, that was too easy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Being very human, we are, that's the reaction. Oh, well, that, must, that was clearly too easy. Uh, we, we should have picked something harder. Mm. Isn't it funny how we, how, we, how we think? Instead of saying, oh, we were good. We picked a, a puzzle that was right at the level that was appropriate for this. That's learning. right. And, mm. and, That's true. Um, you know, so it, it brings out a lot of our cultural learning. And sometimes it's really hard for the learner. And what you see, what you see are, is a lot of the body language of frustration. And I always find that fascinating. Because, yeah, because, oh, go ahead. Because what you can then say is, in this context, in which the learner is not, is on, is on a really low rate of reinforcement, 
the they're getting sometimes they're getting clicked for taking a step forward and then the next time they don't get clicked for taking a step forward there's so much inconsistency they're going getting into extinction etc cetera, etc cetera. and you see this expression of the, the body language that you see and then when you get done and you have a verbal report and they can say I was so frustrated and so when and even for the teacher because the oh. teacher is kind of waiting for something that is not happening and the teacher is feeling a lot of pressure because they're not succeeding they're getting yeah. frustrated but it's interesting because then you, when you when you see an animal who is under similar context where there's a lot of inconsistency or the puzzle is just too hard and the rates of reinforcement are low and you see the horse beginning to paw or to pin his ears or to bite at you you can say oh same context this must be how this individual expresses frustration this human stomped his foot and put his hands on his his, his hips or froze up and didn't respond and this other individual who happens to be a horse expresses the 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 emotions in a different way he, instead of stomping his foot he bites at you but it's still frustration mm -hmm. you can look at the context so it's it's you gain a lot of empathy for your learner mm. well the training game as it's played that way can you know sometimes you can feel really successful and other times you can have learners and handlers who what it reveals is how much care and preparation is really needed in order for particularly for the handler to be a good teacher because they're just not they're they're missing too many opportunities to thin slice too many opportunities to create you know to create that that loop that builds success and then that you expanded and expanded and how do you do that so there's another way to play the training game and that's um, you, you send the learner out of the room for a moment just to reset the stage and the learner comes back in but you haven't chosen mm -hmm. a goal behavior mm -hmm. you simply observe your learner and you observe the behavior that is offered. And you look at what that individual is doing, and, and you're particularly looking for something that you can grab hold of, mm -hmm. or that is slightly out of pattern. So maybe, for example, you have somebody who has been walking around doing, you know, seeing, is it over here, is it over there? And they're wearing glasses and they reach up and they adjust their glasses and you click mm. and and sometimes the first behavior that it doesn't it doesn't catch they don't repeat what they just did so you you watch for another little bit and you grab hold of some other thing that they've just done that you think you can latch hold of as it were and then you start to see where will this take me? So you, you haven't started off saying, I'm going to start by having my learner walk 
three paces into the room and then turn to the left to the telephone because maybe the person isn't going to come in and walk three paces into the center of the room. Maybe the person is going to stand in the doorway and make funny faces at you. (laughs) So grab the funny faces Mm. and then you see what you can transform that behavior into. And so it's an exercise in creativity for the handler. Uh, Can you shape behavior without having a set recipe in mind? But it's also a skill in listening to your animal, uh, in, you know, becoming a better observer at what they're offering. It's, it's taking your agenda out of the picture. Mm-hmm. So it's, you're, you have taken the agenda out. And I'm going to look at what this individual is, is offering. Mm-hmm. You know, what's in repertoire? What does this learner already do? What do they know? What are they, what behavior is being emitted uh, in this particular moment? And then can I use it? Where, where can it take, where, I'm going to work with that. And so what you get is this beautiful, errorless learning. Seamless training you wrote in the yeah, post. Seamless, seamless training. Seamless training. Because yeah. you're not, you're not trying to get the learner onto your agenda. You know, I need to get you into that end of the room where the telephone is. You're following, you're following your learner. You're following your learner. And it can get you someplace quite interesting. Yeah. You know, things you never would have been able to train that you do. Or thought to train. Or thought to train. Yeah. I think starting with people is a good way to begin to see do you have the skill as a handler to let go of agenda and to see what your learner is offering and then what can I do with that behavior? It's a bit like, oh, and the word just went out of my head. The, um, what's, oh, improvisational theater. And that wonderful... Mm, no, that's that wonderful, a good, yeah, that's yeah. a good example. And that wonderful essay that... Uh, Uri Alon wrote, uh, I think it's called A Whale by the Tail, that, um, and it, it, it's a YouTube, not, no, not, not even a YouTube, it's a TED Talk that he gave, and then I wrote a blog okay. post, I wrote a blog post based on that, but he was describing in improvisational theater, you, when somebody offers an idea, there's, there's a whale, <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. It's not, oh, well, but we can't do anything with it. Uh, you, you offer an and instead of a but. Um, so there's a whale. Oh, mm-hmm. let's grab it by the tail. <laughs> you know, and, and you're off and running. Uh, so it's yes. always, so in this. So fun to play that. Yeah, yeah. And that's what you're doing. And it's a collaboration. It's a collaboration. It's so a great you, example. Yeah. You yeah. let your learner give you the first offering. And so yeah. he, he 
moves his hand up to, you know, brush hair, his hair out of his eyes or whatever. And you say, ah, let me grab hold of that. And yeah. let's see where it goes. So it's a, it's a fun way to train. Yeah. Well, I think, I think we should maybe leave people with this idea for their project for this week to train. What do you oh, think? Okay. We could do yeah. that. Yeah. And see what they, see what they make of it. And yeah. Yeah. That would be fun. What a fun time. We've, through the, through this conversation, we have covered some, some very deep topics, some useful topics. It's been an interesting afternoon. Thank you. <laughs> And a couple more, but I think it's a good place to, to yeah, stop. Yeah, that's right. There'll yeah. always be more. Yeah, next yeah, time. of course. Yeah, next time. I'll keep them for next time. Good. Thank you for listening. If you're interested in learning more about my online clinics, please visit my website, theclickercenter.com. Next time, we have a fun guest who will be shifting us from our frequent focus on science to the influence that an appreciation of art can have on our training. I hope you'll join us. In the meantime, train well and have fun with your horses.